This is a Podfire production. This podcast may include explicit themes or swearing and may not be suitable for children. G'day guys, welcome to Awesome Humans COVID-19 edition. I'm your host, Brett McCallum, and during this difficult time, we're trying to bring you the biggest and brightest humans we can off this amazing planet of ours. We're trying to give you some stories to keep you entertained whilst you're all locked away in isolation. Today's one's going to be an absolute ripper, so I really hope you do enjoy it. In today's COVID-19 special edition of Awesome Humans, I'm joined by hospitality guru Ben May. Ben is a Sydney-based businessman, a keen server and a father to four boys. Having owned his first pub in Sydney when he was 26 years old, he discovered he had a passion and love for the industry. Ben knows a thing or two about running successful businesses in the hospitality industry. He also owns and co-owns the Manly Wharf Hotel, Mississippi Double Bay and Mississippi in Bali. Ben's the owner of a popular Gold Coast hotspot, the Burley Pavilion, and since opening its doors in December of 2018, the Burley Pavilion has seen an overwhelming response to the popular restaurant and cocktail bar. It offers one of the best outlooks in the country. Actually, I don't reckon there's anything better than the outlook from the Burley Pavilion, and it overlooks the beautiful Burley Heads Beach. Thanks for joining me today. Welcome, Mr. Ben May. How are you, mate? I'm really well. Thanks for having me. How are you? Mate, I'm sensational. It's uh, it's finally good that we got we got to uh, talk. We've had a couple of miss. Uh, uh, yeah. Of this, uh, I think both were my fault, so I do apologise for that. No, but, I think one was my fault. One was yours. One was mine. So uh, there we are. Even that. <laughs> <laughs> so mate, what's, um, the way I like to sort of start this always is sort of how far back you can go and and sort of where you grew up and all that sort of stuff. What's your what's sort of your first ever memory? How far back can you go? Oh gosh, that's a good question, isn't it? Um, First ever memory, uh, maybe probably going to my dad's parents' farm in Picton. My, my um, grandma and grandpa had a pretty awesome farm south of Sydney in Picton. We used to go up there a lot. Obviously, life was a lot more simple back in those days. So, um, But, yeah, just memories. Grew up in sort of Mossman and Cremorne um, and then, you know, I guess maybe little infant school memories. Mossman Infants I went to, which was pretty, pretty awesome back in the uh, 70s. Back in the um, day. Yeah, so I guess little things like nothing nothing dramatic that I can recall. You know, a few injuries here and there, a few broken arms and legs, and but you always remember those, I guess. What sort of kid were you? Were you a good kid? Were you a nerd? Were you a jock? Well, I'm third. So three, three kids. I'm the baby, uh, older brother, who's three and a half, four years older than me, So, which is great. So we're not, not competitive at, at all. Um, he's an awesome older brother. An older sister between us and then me. So I was pretty lucky being the baby been well protected and you know what the baby's like they're pretty spoiled and um get away with everything so it was all, pretty, it was all i gotta say it was pretty easy but I, I think i was my mum likes to say oh it's pretty easy so um you know um i was i was a pretty easy kid very sporty very you know out and about um and yeah had a, had a great great childhood actually so what, what was your sport of choice back then i'm pretty i was a pretty mad rugby player all along um union or? yeah rugby union Mm-hmm. And um, took that really quite seriously through till the end of school. I was fortunate enough to play for Australian Schoolboys in 1990, which was a pretty awesome team. We had a whole bunch of Wallabies came out of that that group. We got to tour the UK and we beat New Zealand, and then we beat England, Ireland, Scotland, and Wales. Um, Matt Burke, uh, 
oh, there's a whole bunch of wallabies. Peter Jorgensen, Philly Finau, Troy Jacques, Rod Moore, Scotty wow. Bowen. Um, so Peter Jorgensen, did I mention him? A uh, bunch of Queenslanders. Richard Graham, I think, ended up coaching Queensland. A guy called Jacob Rodlini, who ended up played the halfback for Queensland. Not a bad school, it was like. <laughs> It was an epic team. They compared us with, I think it was the Wally Lewis's team. It was Wally Lewis and Ricky Stewart. I think that was The amazing. Invincibles or whatever they were called. Yeah, well, we emulated them, basically. We were the last. We kept that unbeaten. They, they used to tour Britain every four years, and we were lucky enough to be one of those teams. And... Uh, we kept that unbeaten run going. I think the team after us lost a test. So, no, it was good. That was my passion. That was what I wanted to be. A, I basically wanted to be a rugby player, but I just wasn't quite good enough. And my, and my knees didn't hold up to it either. So, got so into what position pups. did you play back then? I was back row, number yeah. eight, outside. So, yeah. So you, got hit, you got hit pretty hard. <laughs> back hit pretty hard. Um, you know, I think the game, we weren't as big back then. I think the game was nearly as brutal. It was brutal in different ways. You could obviously get slippered and get worked over a lot harder back then, but we weren't nearly as big or muscly or explosive. You know, I couldn't, I can't imagine playing now. I have four sons who play and they're constantly injured. And it scares the hell out of me watching them play. But um, it's a very different game, but it's a good game. God, it's in trouble now, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, mate. Yeah, it's not, not in good shape at all, is it? At all. Uh, it's um, it'd be interesting to see how that all pans out. But um, anyway. So, so 1990, so you were you in year 12 then? Yeah, I left school in 1990. Oh, um, same, same as myself. school in Sydney called Cranbrook. I was very fortunate to go to a, a school. My dad did pretty well for, him, for himself in advertising um, and uh, was able to send us to a really good school, um, Cranbrook, and uh, we got, I got a ferry to school, a ferry, bus, train, bus. Oh, so how long did that take? Uh, about an hour, hour and a quarter. Okay. Left home at seven. Um, but it was a great school um, and I really, really enjoyed that time of my life. And then um, got um, did okay at, at the HSC and did a building degree. I kind of wanted to be a builder or an architect. Um, I wasn't really sure. And then um, I got into a building degree at UTS and failed miserably. I couldn't do all the maths, all the structures. And I was terrible at it. <laughs> So, so I sort of struggled with that for two years and then did a hospitality course and that sort of always worked in bars and then it just clicked and I just realised, well, this is what I've got to do. So so your dad was in advertising. Is that not something that you ever thought of going to as well? Yeah, I did. And it probably um, was something my brother and I were interested in, but dad was pretty clever. He kind of saw that we were probably going to end up being entrepreneurial like he was and he, he saw it being maybe a little difficult for us in that the business was changing, the big multinationals were coming in and he somewhat advised us against it. Not, 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 I mean, we, we, we would have had a real passion for it. I'm sure he would have supported it but I think he saw that we could probably do other things and maybe um, feel that we were doing them for ourselves a little more, Does, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, he just certainly didn't push us away from us, but he certainly didn't push us into it. He had an agency called Conahanna May, which was at one point Australia's largest independent Australian-owned agency. He did some incredible campaigns um, uh, and it was really clever. But um, no, I guess, I mean, in a way, I mean, a version of, you know, it's all sales and sort of understanding people's headspace and giving people what they want, isn't it? It's all kind of one and the same, a lot of business really, isn't it? But um, Yeah, very much so. No, the answer is no, he certainly didn't. He didn't push it at us at all. It's, uh, are you lucky enough to still have your dad? Yes, I am. I'm actually with him right now. I'm up in, I've come up to visit him for a night in Noosa because um, I, I was in Burley getting a bit of work done and um, I haven't seen him for quite a while with all this business that's going on. So I thought I'd come and say good day. And um, 
I am lucky enough. He's 80 in August. Oh, wow, mate. That, that's awesome. We, we lost my dad uh, about 15 years ago, but uh, bro, to have yeah. the ability to go and, and go and see him. And is he still entrepreneurial? Yeah. Has he still got his uh, everything switched well, on stuff? Yeah, he's still got a bit of this and a bit of that happening, but he, <laughs> he, he lives a pretty nice city on his balcony up here at Sunshine Beach. Um, I wouldn't be doing much if I lived here. It's pretty special. So, yeah. um, no, he's, he's got it all worked out. He's pretty... Uh, He's sailed around the world twice. He could live on a boat quite happily. Oh, very he's nice. He's a pretty, um, yeah, pretty unique character. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you more like him or more like your mum? Um, I think I'm a real mix. I'm probably, um, I'm very close to my mum. My mum lives in Sydney. Um, I don't know. I'm a, look, I'm a bit of a spinning image of dad, apparently. But um, and then probably you know, a little business minded like he is. But then I've got traits that no doubt of my mother. We're super close and always have been. She's a great mum. But um, yeah, I'd say just a real mix of both, which is what you'd want, isn't it? I guess. Yeah, exactly. And what about your siblings? Are they uh, are they like you, or are they like? Uh... Well, we're all quite different. My brother lives has lived overseas. He was a fantastic rower. It's um, at school and then rode for New South Wales, won the King's Cup, then uh, was at Newcastle Uni and then got a, 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 um, a scholarship or sort of a scholarship to UPenn to Wharton College, which is the best business school in the States, and he studied business over there and never came home. He was a banker in New York for quite a while, or 21 wow. years, and did pretty well and then um, is pretty much retired-ish, sort of semi-retired, you call it, and he lives in between Europe and the States, basically. Um, he's just had his first... He's just he's fifty two this year, and um, he's he's starting going through the, the having kids. I had my first kid when I was twenty eight, so and he's just having his kids. So it's pretty funny. He's doing <laughs> it. I did it. I did it in my twenties. He's doing it in his fifties, and I'm quite enjoying watching him go through the pain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you are. So you've got four boys. How old are they? The four boys. They're twenty, eighteen, fourteen, and seven. And are they, that's a big gap. It is a big gap. Well, the, yeah, the fourth was a, 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 a beautiful surprise, we call him. Oh, that's nice. Um, the seven-year gap. So we were done and then had a, had a little surprise. Oh, yeah. mate, surprises are always good. Absolutely. No, he's a cracker. He's great fun. And, and do you find now you're a lot more relaxed? Oh, yeah, it's very different. <laughs> like, I, it's funny looking at my brother. He's got the, the you know, and, you know, your first kid, they can always walk by like 11 months and say all these words. And by the fourth, you're stopping them walking. You don't want to, you know what, you know what a pain in the ass they are once they get up and go. And, you know, who cares? I mean, they all learn how to read and write in the end, don't they? But um, I'm much more relaxed about it, yes, is the answer. Absolutely. Um, I've got four kids myself. I've got two girls, two boys. And what we found uh, during the sort of isolation period, they were looking at photos and all this sort of stuff. And the first daughter, she's there. There's so many photos of her. the youngest boy. He's sitting there going, yeah. Dad, Dad, where are the yeah. photos of <laughs> There's one. It's hysterical, isn't it? Yeah, it is. yeah. You get a lot more relaxed during the process, which is, which is always fun. Yeah. Well, you're obviously, like, you get better at it too. You sort of you know what works and what doesn't work and you know what to care about and what not to care about. It's, you definitely get better at it. No, definitely, mate, definitely. So when you were playing rugby, you played for for Australia. Then when do you make the decision that that's not the career path? Or did, was that well, I played Australian schools, and then I went to grade for North, for North Northern Suburbs, one of the clubs in the Sydney Shoot Shield, and um, went to grade. And oh, mate, I busted my knee twice, and then that was it. It was basically the decision was made for me. Merv Cross was my surgeon, and he said, mate, if I have to do this the third time, yeah. 
by the age of when you're 50, you won't be able to do the other things you love, you know, you're skiing and you're surfing. So it was a pretty simple decision. And look, I knew I wasn't, I knew I wasn't going to make that. By that time, I knew, you know, whether I was going to be good enough to make that next level. Um, and I knew I wasn't. So it was a pretty easy decision, actually, in the end. Um, so, so then you go to uni, you're going to be a builder. That didn't happen. And then you, you sort of got into hospitality. Yeah. So, and then, then I um, decided to. Well, I was lucky enough to then I went to a, a hotel management school in Switzerland, in um, which satisfied my love of skiing as well. So I, I did that for three years. So you worked in the, studied in summer and then worked in the winter and I was able to work in some great ski resorts and as a chef and a waiter um, and really learned a hell of a lot over there. And then came back, I think it was in like 95, I got my first job running what at the time was one of Sydney's busiest pubs. I got a sort of junior management role running the Greenwood Hotel in North Sydney, which was owned by a pretty amazing pub family, the Greens, um, and they were some of the first to do the really good high-level pubs in Sydney back in the day, you know, yeah. a long time, wasn't it, 25 years ago. Yeah. The Royal in Paddington, which was the, probably the first gastro pub. Um and this is back when pubs were still very simple things, you know. So they, they were the first, first people to really take them to another level. And the Greenwood in North Sydney was huge. It used to get thousands on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, and I was lucky enough to land a job there and sort of took it from there. Just got, had a few different jobs and then was um, sort of backed into my first pub in 97, the Light Brigade, which was my, in Paddington, which was my first pub. And who backed into that? Was that something you went seeking or something well, you I worked for a guy who I won't mention, but he was he, he was brilliant. I learned a lot from him. But um, I ended up being well, not backed in. My dad guaranteed my debt buying my first pub, and I couldn't have done it without that. Um, we bought it pretty cheap, but um, so it was going to be backed in by this other guy. But my dad, about three weeks before the auction, stepped in and said, "You know what? I'll do it. I think I'd prefer to be in business with you than you be in business with this guy." Yeah, that's <laughs> cool. That, does that explain it? But yeah. So that was my first. That was the first um, pub, and that went really, really well. And then from there, just I think the next one was the Manly Wharf um, in two thousand and two. We opened that two thousand two thousand two during the Rugby World Cup two thousand two two thousand three. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then um, I sold the Light Brigade and bought the London in Paddington, and then I did. Double Bay, Mississippi, then I did Bali, Mississippi, and then, yeah, um, Burley. Bought Burley about four, well, three years before we opened and then spent the time sort of getting it done and then opened when we opened, yeah, uh, December 2018. So that, that place you bought in Burley, it used to be called Oscars many years ago, and uh, yeah. it, it used to at least once or twice a year get smashed by the ocean and, and yeah. uh, then, then sort of, have to get rebuilt and then there's all the yeah. news and stuff. Yeah. Well, I, I bought it and about three months later it had probably had its worst smashing. Oh, really? So, <laughs> um, the, we've now designed it that I just take the windows and everything out downstairs, the glazing, kind of let the ocean go through. Yeah. And then tidy up and put the windows back in. So they're meant to be one in 100-year storms and there's been about three in five years. <laughs> So anyway, um, but no, we've kind of we've worked out how to deal with it now. I mean, it's not ideal, but it's not yeah. you know, it's only going to happen more and more. But um, it's and the thing is, where it's located, you can't. You probably could never do that again. No, <laughs> I, don't, God, I, don't, I don't think they'd ever let you build something like that again. Would they? No way, not at all. It's just certainly, I agree with you. I think it's the most 
amazing location on the east coast. I might, I don't, I can't think of anything. Uh, there's Bondi icebergs, which is pretty special, obviously. But that's kind of doesn't offer. Yeah, that's got the mixture of the club and the, and then the the surf life saving headquarters, and then um, there's the restaurant on top. No, I think it's pretty special where we are. And look, rickshaws goes really, really well. They're great tenants. And then uh, we've got some exciting plans for downstairs with the pool and a new cafe sort of offering and then just keep plugging away with what we're doing upstairs when we're allowed to reopen. Yeah, that, that, that's sort of the critical part, isn't it? So uh, obviously we're in the middle of COVID-19 and it's uh, unprecedented, once, once in 100 years literally. And mm. then you've got um, the, the Prime Minister of Australia turns around and goes, okay, everything's going to be shut by lunchtime tomorrow. How's that yeah. going down? It was pretty bad. It was four. I had to close four businesses on the same day that Monday about four weeks ago. And um, mate, it's brutal. It's, you go from you go from you know roaring along and and you know budgeting, and we've all got our you know we've all got our bank loans and rents and you know and living expenses and kids and to go from a good income to absolutely no income. Firstly, no income, and then secondly, actually losing considerable money because you still got to pay. Your, your bank debt and you still yeah. gotta, you know, pay half your rents. Um, and, yes, they're being abated, but, um, you know, you've got to pay them eventually. So we're all accruing these pretty nightmarish costs that we're going to come out the the backside with and what a trading condition is going to be like and how much are we going to own. And, you know, you try and sit down and do a budget. And the, the most important line on a budget is the timeline. And when you don't have a timeline, you can't do a budget. So it's a, it's a pretty difficult time. Um, well, I mean, no, none of us have ever experienced anything like it, and I'm certainly right in the in the thick of, you know, without doubt, the hard, you know, along with I guess tourism, the hardest hit industry by a mile. Yeah, well, so, it's something like twenty five percent. So it's had a seventy five percent hit at the moment, which is unprecedented for any business, let alone. Yeah. Um, let alone well, we've all had a hundred percent hit. You know, we're closed. Yeah, fair <laughs> and the takeaway thing, you know, that work might work for a little restaurant or a little thing, but. You know, um, I wasn't designed, I'm not built to do takeaway sort of food. And look, I'm doing a bit of it, but it's it's pretty when you've got the when you've got the scale and the cost that I've got and what I've spent to do what I do, you know, doing a bit of Uber Eats is kind of it's kind of like, well, what's the point, you know? It'll probably um, cost, cost you more than you'd make. Yeah, yeah. I mean look, the government's done a great job with this job keeper thing. Um, that's helping a lot of people and a lot of businesses and a lot of staff. How many staff have you got across all your across all your businesses? Uh, hundreds. I think I had to stand down about over three hundred on that first. That first, you know, before they brought in the job keeper, I had to stand everyone down. It was pretty brutal. Um, and then obviously I've got a big business in Bali, which I don't think that'll trade for a couple of years really until tourism comes back. Yeah, so it's going to be a tough few years. I think I think I'll be all right, but it's. It's, well, once again, how long is it going to go? And then what are the conditions going to be once we come out of it? Are people going to have the money to to go out and, and enjoy themselves? What are the numbers we're going to be allowed to trade with? Um, so I guess it's all about the vaccine, isn't it? Once that happens and everyone's got it and has had the vaccine, if they even create one, then I think we'll get back to some sort of normal trade. Um, I've got great businesses, so I have no doubt that once we're back and open, I'll be fine. But it's just a matter of how long can you hang on for, you know? Yeah, exactly, mate. We invest in gyms, so we were the same day you were. Um, right. all, all our gyms got shut, yeah. and, and so we don't have the same amount of staff as you guys do. But at the same time, it just the, the it makes you have this feeling you're affecting other people's livelihoods. 
yeah. And obviously, there's your own as well, and your own family, and not knowing yeah. what's going on there, etc. And I, I, I just think it's. Uh, have they done a good job handling it? Yeah, probably, but no, no one's ever seen this shit before. And uh, what, uh, no, what normally happens is that during recessions and all that, pubs still stay open because people still drink. Gyms yeah. stay open because that's the only other thing they do. Yeah. Um, but then when you shut those two things, it's like yeah. um, there is no disposable income. That's going to be the scary part. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be um, it'll be interesting. I, I think they're going to reach a point where, there's going to have to be some. I mean, it's just going to get too expensive, a for the government and b for people. And and um, I'm assuming after that September quarter, so really sort of October, they'll. I, I don't. I think pubs will be the last thing to open. Why? Um, oh, just because of the nature of what they are, you know. Um, Whereas in the US, they look like they're going to open pubs and gyms first. Really. Yeah, I don't got an answer yesterday. It's uh, it's really interesting because well, I don't know. I don't know. If we want to be copying the US. No, good point. <laughs> um, I don't. I oh, look. I, I I think. Look, everyone's already very different to what we were a month ago, aren't we? So so when we had those few weeks of restricted trade, you know, we were still really really quite busy. And I'm lucky. I've got large scale venues, so I could still have several hundred people and within the laws, within the constraints, but. I think everyone now is going to be so different and more cautious. But people might be able to, you know, like, um, you know, people might be able to get back in there and be sort of more, you know, you know, follow the hygiene rules and the distancing. And but they're going to have to give us something, or it's going to get really, really bad. And, yeah. and look, I think, I think Morrison. If there's one thing he's been really good at, it is that he is, he's from day one, made it very clear that he respects the fact that the. The, the hit to the economy is is just as important as the health issue. Um, he's very across that. Um, he's not he's not a you know he's not a silly man. I think I think um, he won't let it go too far until it's too late in terms of the economy. I really don't. And if the health if the health people can't get their shit together by September and deal with the fact that there might be a few more cases through spring and summer, well. You know, well, maybe they need to have a look at themselves because they've certainly been given a clear run to do what they need to do to get ready to, you know, at some point we're going to have to deal with the fact that there's going to be more cases because we can't live like this for forever. No, exactly. It's really interesting as well because there's been zero cases again today in Queensland. So that's two days out of three. There's been yeah. zero zero new cases. We've got, yeah. we've got two people in the whole state on ventilators. But on the Gold Coast alone last week, there was 22 people died of suicide. Right, really, wow. And then you don't hear these figures, you don't see these numbers or anything like that, and that's no. the actual real toll that this yeah. has taken on people. It's, it's Yeah, it's bad for our businesses, bad for yours, all that sort of stuff, but then there's 22 families on the Gold Coast without a loved one. Mm. And no. um, the, we've had 64 people die in the whole country. It's like someone mm. has to make a decision sooner rather than later about how what, what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. No, I totally agree. And then I think about, you know, we've, both, we've got, I don't know how, you are, how old are your kids? Uh, 17 through 10. Yeah, right. So similar, you know, a little younger. But yeah, so i got a 20-year-old at uni, an 18-year-old doing the HSC if he gets to do it. Yeah, it's mine's the um, same. <laughs> and what sort, of, what sort of economy are these kids going to be coming into and, and workforce and what opportunities are they going to have? And they're going to be paying the costs of this for, for generations. Um, so it's pretty tough. Um, and then you think about those young people while they're in those sort of vulnerable years of their life, you know, if, it, if there's not those opportunities and that, and that sort of feeling of being able to get ahead, well, that just stems through to what you're talking about, the suicides. And I don't know, it's, 
it's such a shocking um, balance that they've got to try and get right. I think they've, they've done what they had to do, obviously. Um, it's just going to be about what's that, that slow climb out of it and what's going to be acceptable in terms of, you know, people are going to die from it. It's a matter of what's, what's, what's acceptable. I don't know. Um, I don't, you know, I don't get brutally upset when a 94 year old dies from it because well, if they got the flu this year, they would have, they would have died. But yeah. you know, and that's um, the other thing. It's, that's a really interesting point because they, they're saying all these increased death numbers all around the world, but, like, how many people already die every day in New York? Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. You, you're looking at cities and at countries where there's millions and millions of people all living yeah. on top of each other. We've got 25 million in a whole country that's spread well, I think out. I think here. Within, in the time that sort of the whatever 150-odd thousand people have died of COVID, um, over 2 million people have died of natural causes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm not saying, look, obviously it's a, a massive issue and I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm, not, I'm not fully aware of how, how difficult the situation is and, and, and I'm not criticising what's been done. I just think, um, you know, their absolute priority has got to be how do we get out of this somehow whilst maintaining that level of control across and not obviously letting happen what happened in Italy and New York. But I just say, mate, we don't live, like, look at, look at where we live. Like, it's 28 degrees today. It's late April. It's, <laughs> you know, it's not New York. It's not Wuhan. Exactly. It's not, you yeah. know, everyone lives in a, in a house and they, they have the ability to find space. Not everyone. Obviously, there's those that are less advantaged. And obviously, the, the aged care, that's, that's just critical what, how they manage that. But, I mean, I don't see us really, I mean, apart from maybe some parts of Sydney, being able to get to that point where it sort of runs out of control. Like, it's just, it's a different setup, you know? Um, we're very fortunate. Like, they look at how California is compared to New York, you know, perfect example. Yeah. A, they got onto it early, but B, they just live differently. So it's, it's kind of, you know, anyway, look, I think, the premiers are all doing what they have to do, and particularly here in Queensland, I mean, she's tough, isn't she? She is. Yeah, um, I'm not a big fan, but let's not go there. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I think they all are. Between Queensland, New South Wales, and Victoria, there's three premiers who are pretty bloody black and white, aren't they? Yeah. I, I, and I think they're pretty they're pretty happy to throw out a really alarming, scary A timeline or B statistic. I don't. There's not a lot of positivity in the, any of their vibes. That that Andrews from Victoria, I can't stand him. I mean. Well, I, I love the fact that they, they sit there and go, another one case, not that 730 got better. There's mm. <laughs> the one negative. It's, uh, mm. it's not good. Anyway, on a more positive note, putting yeah. your entrepreneurial hat on in yeah. times like this, do you get itchy feet? Well, I'm looking at different ways. I can try and get an income. I'm looking at maybe doing, a, well, I won't tell you, well, I'm looking at doing a bakery business. Okay. Um, I've got some pretty skillful staff so sitting around doing, bugger all um so yeah there's i think definitely you know there's opportunities will come out of this too and there'll be some cheap pubs probably in six to eight months i've certainly i'll be looking at that and got some people with deep pockets who want to do some things so look i think you got to, and then you just got to learn about we i learned a lot in those last couple of weeks when we were scaling down in terms of just how you can run your businesses more efficiently and and with you know just in in terms of controlling costs in both obviously staff and cost of goods and I think we'll all come, when we come back out into trading, um, a lot of people have learned a lot about how to run tip businesses a lot tighter and a lot better. And I think hopefully, you know, over the next however many years we'll get back what we lost just because we'll learn a lot of lessons, you know. Um, so, yeah, no, I get a bit itchy. Well, look, it's pretty upsetting when I sit there in the pavilion and it's 
the weather we've got at the moment and it's bloody empty. Yeah, it's it kills on your me. Own. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty depressing. Um, but as I said, I know it's a it's great business and um, you know it'll come back. Um, I think there's a lot of goodwill towards it, and when we're allowed to open, I think people will come flooding back. I hope. Well, I, I understand. I agree 100% it's a change in the world. We, uh, we own an IT company and one of the products that we uh, delivered during this is getting people to be able to work from home and we can help them and do all that sort of stuff when they're working from home. I actually reckon that you're going to get a lot of businesses that don't take up big commercial lease, leasing anymore. They realise yeah. now that their staff can work differently. They can, yeah. be, can be as productive at home. They can do that sort of stuff. So I think it's going to change the way that we all work. And what you might find is people working out of pubs um, and places yeah. like that because they can. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, I think what a lot of, like, they reckon about, everything's been fast-forwarded about five years. Like, retail, gone, all just online, um, yeah. you know, now. So, yeah, you wouldn't want to be owning much much retail property. Um, agree with you, very commercial property. A lot of that work-from-home thing is just being fast-tracked, hasn't it? Um, so there's going to be some real changes to the dynamics of the property sector, definitely, through through those sorts of things um, and just those efficiencies. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. But people will always still go to the pub. People would like to go out. And, <laughs> exactly. You know, it's not a bad industry to be in, really. You know, t- <laughs> Tinder, Tinder and all those things have been around for a while, but it hasn't affected my businesses. So, you know, um, we'll <laughs> keep plugging away. somewhere to meet. No, that's yeah, Exactly. Yeah, that's now, true. My uh, my eldest daughter's doing the HSC this year as well, and uh, mate, I feel for her because I don't, I don't know what jobs they're going to be for them to yeah. actually go to uni to do. Like yeah. you don't know yeah. what the future is going to look like. That's uh, it's interesting. Yeah. Isn't it? it is interesting. So anyway, but the young the young are generally pretty adaptable. They sort of see things before most of us old blokes. So yeah, you're not wrong. Smart enough, they'll be good enough. <laughs> yeah. Mate, there's a couple of questions I always ask uh, towards the end of the podcast, and yeah. I'd love to get your feedback on them. So, what's your greatest achievement in life? Oh, definitely, I would think my four boys. Yeah, yeah, they're um, they're great young men. They've got impeccable manners, and they're um, they're good. They're big, sort of burly fellas, but they um, you know, they've got a great. Um, their mothers have given them a good sensitive soft side and then I think like to think I've shown sort of shown them what a bit of hard work is and that you get out what you put in so I'm pretty proud of them they're really good boys and without doubt by mile. And what are they going to do are they going to follow in dad's footsteps you reckon? Um, I don't know I'm sort of I'm open to it but um, I would hate to think that they could do better at something else and you know and they've sort of just settled for working in the pubs I think um, one of them is a definite um, He's just loves it and will definitely love it. Um, then I've got a really artistic one who probably, you know, will do something different. He's brought right really into his music and art and what have you. So, look, to answer your question, I wouldn't say no to it. It's going to be a tricky one because obviously four boys and how do you make sure that that's all fair and balanced and that everyone yeah. feels equal. So it's a tricky one and I've seen some obviously, some that we particularly within pubs, there's a lot of examples of sons of publicans ending up being really quite hideous enemies um, because of business and da-da. So obviously that's your worst nightmare. So I've got to be careful of it. But then there's examples where it really works. So, I, I you know, the answer is um, maybe. maybe. And if they want to, well, I'll obviously facilitate it. But um, it's, a, it's a tricky one, isn't it? You've got to be careful. Maybe is there one person or a group of people that's had the most influence on your career? Um, well, 
I think my dad was a pretty good example for business. He was very entrepreneurial and, and good at what he did and sort of, you know, and, and showed me and his lesson to me was always, look, if you find something you love, you'll do pretty well at it because if you love it, you'll work hard and no matter, no matter what, if you work hard, you do well. So he's definitely a big influence. Um, and my mum in her own way too because she was a pretty creative um, artistic woman so she probably lent me towards that sort of liking the whole design side of things which is really important in what I do so do you um, do that that yourself? yeah I love it that's where my frustrated architect sort of side <laughs> comes out I get to yeah pretend I'm the architect and yeah no I'm very 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 keen on it all um very much so and um and then yeah, the Green Group, the hoteliers, were probably the first people I worked for. They were, they, I learned a lot from them, for sure. What's your secret sourcing business? Then what I do, it's it's all about the location. You just got to have a great location, and then you just got to tick the boxes. So at Manly, I've you know probably got one of the better positioned pubs in Sydney, and then I've got without a doubt the best positioned business on the Gold Coast. Um. And I think if you have that and then you deliver a product that's really good and your pricing is sensitive to what people are prepared to, you know, if I'm no more expensive than the shithole down the road, well, why would they go there? So I, I, I understand that it's trade and that I'm taking people's money and that they've got to feel comfortable handing that money over and feeling that they're getting they're getting really good value for it. And if I can do that, well, they'll come back. And that's the key. It's, um, it's all about repeat business, catering to the locals, but then um, making them feel like, they're not being ripped off every time they, they come and enjoy it, you know. It's pretty pretty simple, really. So the Burley Pavilion, is that catered for the locals or is that catered for the tourist island? Oh, I think it's very much locals. I yeah. don't know how you've been there, but I, I definitely get a very local vibe when I'm there. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah, you, you could do well out of tourists, but if you don't have the locals, you won't make serious money. Um, you, you absolutely rely on locals for, for, for your business. Tourists should, should be no more than 20% of your business. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay, mate, some quick fire questions. What's your favourite food? Oh, got me there. Um, probably fish, seafood, salmon. Salmon. Favourite song? Yeah. Favourite song? Oh, wow. Jeez, you could have warned me about these. No, no, no. That's why it's quick fire. Favourite song? Probably, oh, God, I'm a bit of a JJ Kale fan, so I like I love his album Troubadour, the whole album really. Okay, favorite place in the world. Favorite place in the world would be Alaska. The uh, Chugach Range in Alaska for heli skiing is like magic. Wow, <laughs> I've seen I've seen pictures. I haven't been there, but uh, my good friend of mine runs a heli ski business out of uh, San Fran. And, oh, really? Um, wow, yeah, cool. she. Um, She's always promised to take me there, so I'm going to have to push her uh, on there. It's, it's life-changing, the Chigo. It's extraordinary. Mate, what, what's next for Ben May? Oh, God. Consolidate and get through and survive. But, um, oh, look, I think I'm pretty happy with what I've got for the, for the next little while and make the best of them and uh, just, you know, keep plugging away. Mate, well, I really appreciate your time. I'm glad we got to have a chat. Thanks so much yeah. for your time today. And as far as I'm concerned, you're an awesome human. Thanks so oh, much for fun. joining me. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers, buddy. What an amazing human. Thank you so much for listening today. I really hope that you enjoy the rest of the Podfire podcast and I really hope that you enjoyed Awesome Humans. 
reach out to us on Podfire and all the social media channels as well as BJ Macker uh, to reach out to me personally. Have a great day.